Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 54 of the 167 Podcast. I am Shannon Patterson. The lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church. Full disclosure, I have on pajama pants. There's nothing wrong with pajama pants. <laughs> and that is my friend Josh Harrell, our media pastor. Hello, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? <laughs> well, I woke up this morning and it was like 40-something degrees. I know. It's cold. And um, it's skeleton crew up here. I mean, it's always kind of, so it's just, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. kind of doing their thing. So yeah. I've got on... I mean, let me describe my ensemble okay. for our listeners. I have on uh, I have on a porch long sleeve t shirt so yeah. you know it's okay. Uh, I've got on my black blue green and black tartan plaid tartan? pajama. Oh, that, it's just a is that the pattern? Uh, yeah, oh. um, pajama pants, um, and they're very warm. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're men's pajama pants, so I probably bought them for Drew at some point. <laughs> I have on some purple socks. Purpley design socks and my Birkenstocks. So you like those Birkenstocks? I mean, yeah. Well, I have Flintstone feet. They're like my feet are as wide as they are long. So Birkenstocks uh, are made for that kind of. Gotcha. So anyway, so full disclosure, I'm looking real good right now. That's kind of ha- when <laughs> when I was doing a newscast class in college. Uh huh. You'd have to wear a yeah. coat, shirt, and tie. <laughs> you look good above. But the green screen cut your <laughs> yeah. bottom off, so it was like. I wore, like, shorts. Yeah, yeah. From belly button up, you were, like, looking good. Looking good, but if the camera didn't see, I would wear flip-flops and shorts. Which is, like, everyone gets that from the Zoom days from the past, you know, year and a half. people didn't understand that until, until like... Everyone business up front, (laughs) loungewear, loungewear bottoms. Yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, this is the week of Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Woo! Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to our Christmas Eve services so Me much. Me too. Yeah, it, um, you know, just I, beautiful. I said this the other day, and you're like, "It's our. This is going to be our third Christmas Eve service." I was like, "No, it's not," but yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's crazy to me. So, but yeah, it's our third Christmas Eve service. Very much looking forward to it. We have services at three and at four thirty. Mm-hmm. Candlelight, mm-hmm. both of them. Um, the music, of course, will be wonderful. Speaking of music, this past um, Sunday, if you're listening to this, um, I don't know, calendar live, I don't know how you would say that. I mean, um, you if can, you're caught up. If um, you want to listen to great uh, Christmas music anytime. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening in July, go listen to our Christmas special. There you go. But it was it was phenomenal. It was mm-hmm. really good. So good. So good. Yeah, I was talking to Drew the other day, and I, I we were talking last night, and something came up, and I was like, I rattled off some... Uh, Christmas trivia, if you will, mm-hmm. um, about we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and he was like, "Like, where did that come?" And I was like, "Oh, because that's I'm going to talk about that in the podcast tomorrow." So I've been reading up on this, and I said, "You know that podcast that we do?" And I said, "You know, it's going to be episode 54." I said, "So you're like 53 episodes behind." Has he actually listened to one? <laughs> he listened to one. <laughs> so Kara's caught up. She uh, good job, Kara. She likes it a lot. Congratulations, Kara. Listening to us got her on podcast, and now she listens. Now she listens she, to better. Yeah, she more. Li- she listens to ours. <laughs> like she'll listen to ours Thursday morning at work. Yeah, like every Thursday morning she'll listen. Hey, Kara, hope you're having a great day at work. 
But then she's go. also gotten these like murder podcasts. <laughs> We're not murdering anybody or talking about murder today. I don't think. Like she listens to those a lot. Yeah, yeah. And there was one like she was waiting, like it's kind of like the Mars Hill. Yeah, podcast. she was like waiting for waiting, the next episode. But some stuff had happened, so they waited to release two episodes, mm-hmm. and she's just been waiting. And then like the other day, she texts me like, "This this is better than Christmas." <laughs> Because she got like two episodes dropped in one day. And now she's hooked. Mm-hmm. Now she's hooked. Yeah. I, I like podcasts quite yeah. a bit. So. Um, so yeah, it is the week of Christmas and um, here we are. And I was, I've actually held, I've had this, this podcast in mind um, for gosh, over a month now, I think, um, prepared for this week. Um, Josh, did you know? That at one time, Christmas was illegal. I mean, depending on... I kind of figured at some point with like the Nazis it would be illegal. Oh. Or... I don't think it ever was. You I know, don't know, communist China. Mm, well, yeah. Um, Did you know that it was once illegal in Great Britain? No. Did you know it was once illegal in some of the cities and states in our country? No, but I did know it was illegal. It was illegal in the Roman Empire at some point. Too. At, yes, before Constantine. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. Today we're <laughs> going to talk about Christmas was once illegal. Now we're not going all the way back to the Roman Empire, but we are going to talk about that today. I didn't know it was illegal in some parts of the yeah. United States ever. So this yeah. is going to be interesting. It, yeah. So okay, prior to the Victorian era, is there anything else we want to hit before we jump into this? Because I just kind of shifted gears, and here we go. Um, why don't you talk about why, um, you know, coming to, not not just the porch, but coming to church on oh, yeah, Christmas Eve yeah, is just yeah. such an important, uh, I don't want to call it a tradition, but something that you do, yeah. I, I mean, it's a tradition. Yeah. Why is, why is it so important? Mm. Goodness. Well, I mean, in some respects, it's, I would say it's no different than, than participating in any opportunity to come to worship mm-hmm. in some in some respects. Right. Um, but I think the just the celebration and recognition of the birth of Christ, um, whether you wanna, you know, we talked about calendars a while back and when he was really born and who knows or whatever, but the the time to take to recognize that his birth was real and that God was pushing forward his plan um to redeem humanity. Um <clears throat> I think it's just really profound. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's, we are people who are affected by sight and sound and seasons and all these things. And there's, and and we'll see this even a little bit later when I I talk about some of the traditions and things that have kind of formed. And we talked about a while back, like what formed Advent and all that stuff. But there's something about the um, wintertime for us in the Mm -hmm. Western, you know, on this, side of the planet, um, and in everything that just makes it a beautiful, beautiful experience. And, and that's hard to say, but that's why you should come. Um, I just think as if you're a believer, if you, if, you, uh, <laughs> if you say Jesus is your Lord and Savior, why would you not want to be a part of um, the celebration corporately of, of recognizing his birth and what He's come to do, you know, and the whole season of Advent in and of itself, I've said this a lot, is it's not just about the celebration of the Mm -hmm. birth of Jesus, his coming here on earth, but his second coming Mm -hmm. when he comes to complete it all. 
um, and you know make it all full and right and everything. So um, yeah, I don't know. Come to Christmas Eve service because it's going to be wonderful and beautiful. And you know, I also think you know this past you know, year and a half, kind of like how, wow, I can't believe this is our third Christmas mm-hmm. that we're going to celebrate. It's because there was that year and a half of, of just weirdness yeah, um, of with COVID and everything. And I think a lot of people, and I, mean, I know this and all the, all the leadership articles that we read, mm-hmm. um, they all say it, um, that so many people have gotten out of the habit of just being, um, participating in the life of the church regularly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, in a some sort of consistent fashion. Um it's it's just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just think if there's I don't know of a better time except for Easter um where there's kind of this e- expectation for people to go, yeah, we're going to go to get we're going to go to to church together as a family. Right. You know, we're going to go to worship. We're going to mm-hmm. go to the candlelight service. Yeah. Um and so I think Wow, if you know, I mean, let's let's be real here. I don't know how many people are listening to our podcast that aren't really, really connected. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't but know. I mean, if 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 you call us your church and and you felt that lack of consistency, um, or you know what, even if you don't go to our church, but you felt that lack of consistency and really being involved in your church, mm-hmm. um, I I can speak from from the pastoral perspective is you're missed and um, you you have a part to play in the life of the church and you have gifts and opportunity to to be present and serve and and you know do your part and and I think it's just the church is better if you're there yeah, so yeah um, I don't know if you were wanting me to say a particular answer I just went no, <laughs> around and about I was, and all over <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure what you were gonna say. Because uh, for me, I didn't actually go to a Christmas Eve service until I started working for the church. So you guys, it's just like, nope, it's not on Sunday, you well, don't go? Well, our, our church what didn't do. Yeah. The church I grew up in, Kara's mm-hmm. uh, church that she grew up in, it just wasn't a thing to yeah. do. You, it you was would, too Catholic. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if, I don't, like no one's, like I've never actually had that discussion with anybody mm-hmm. of why we didn't or anything like that. Yeah. Um. We would do it, like we would have church on Christmas Eve. If Sunday landed on Christmas Eve, we would have church. Mm -hmm. But if Christmas landed on Sunday, we wouldn't have church. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, I do like the, um, this sounds really bad. (laughs) I don't know. With with other things we've talked about, I doubt it. I do... Every Sunday is special, mm-hmm. but I do see why some people only come on Christmas and Easter because the Christmas and Easter services are so special. Yeah, and the question is: is it is it the is it the aspects of the service that make it special, or is it all the uh, surround? I don't know. I was going to say trappings. That's not really right, but like like a multitude of things that make it. I think it's special. the hearts that people walk in the door with. Mm, you mean they're expectant? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So really the challenge for us is is for the to, other 50 Sundays of the turn, year. To come in with the same heart. <laughs> Expectancy, yeah, for sure. That we do on Christmas mm-hmm. and Easter. And it sounds bad, but I, I really like on Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. you you feel a different vibe mm-hmm. in, in the crowd that's there, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? 
And I don't know if you feel that way. I do. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I do. I think, and and listen, I, I don't, I, that to me is the Holy Spirit working. Because, mm-hmm. listen, if a, if, if a room full of people, whether you're talking 15, 50, or 500, if the majority of those people are actually coming in expectant mm-hmm. to experience God, mm-hmm. um, the, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to move, and, and, the, and, and, you're going to sense that, and and as worshipers, as um, as the word is is taught, is presented um, in every aspect, you're going to have that sense. I I believe that fully, and and so you know, and some people go, well, you could go, you know, you could go to a high school football game, or you go to the Super Bowl, and you're going to walk into the Super Bowl and be like, wow. But there's an expectancy mm-hmm. of the experience, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we, the church. Um, we lose sight of that, and we don't we don't walk in with expectancy. And in in that same vein, I would say we don't. That's why we're like, meh. I'll go to the lake today, or eh, I'll yeah. sleep in. Yeah, you know, because there's no expect expectancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I hear I I hear what you're saying for sure. I mean, there's so many. I love Christmas music. We've talked about that. Um, there's so many songs that I hear, kind of older songs like Bing Crosby type. You know, the the classics. Yeah. And when I hear them, I can I can find myself, uh, I can sense myself just like <laughs> sitting in, or, or it's like a winter day, and I'm at St. Benedict's mm-hmm. Catholic Church as a kid, and that's just like it just takes you back like, right, to that yeah. beautiful uh, experience, and um, yeah, so uh, it's special. So if it if you're listening to this before it's Christmas, hey. Come to the Christmas Eve service. Go to a Christmas Eve service somewhere. Go and celebrate um, the birth of Christ. Ours will be at 3 and 4.30. There you go. Good advertising right there. (laughs) So back to the illegal Christmas. So, I mean, wow, we actually get to participate in it. Like, it's not illegal here. So, so, okay, prior to the Victorian era, let's jump in now. Um, Christmas was, was, it was primarily a religious holiday that was observed by Christians of the Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran denominations. So you could say, Josh, that maybe your church was kind of like pre-Victorian era in how it viewed. <laughs> I would kidding. say I'm just <laughs> more antebellum than Victorian. I know, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> if you know and, what I mean. But back in, you know, and, and in some cases it might be the same. I mean, commercially, no way. But Christmas and its importance is was nowhere near that of Easter right. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Now, there was a religious movement that was very prevalent, and it was the Puritans, right? And so the Puritans, and their name implies kind of where their focus was. Is they were, Yeah, the, a life of purity, but it was so legalistic, so, mm-hmm. so legalistic. Um, and so the Puritans, they completely objected to the celebration of Christmas, of any kind of those holidays, and they believed that, all right, people needed to have these really strict rules to to even be religious. Um, and so any kind of merrymaking, any kind of humor, any kind of anything. Merrymaking, huh? Yeah, merrymaking. That's right. <laughs> any kind of... They were like, nah, it's not nah. going to happen. Uh, so okay. so, um, so I don't think we have a, a large Puritan uh, listening uh, demographic. Probably for not. Our, for our uh, show. Um, so, but this is how they were. So, so think about like in 1647-ish... Um, England at the time was ruled by a predominantly uh, 
Puritan Parliament. So members of the par- Parliament were Puritans. And so they had huge influence on the lawmaking and the decision-making and just the governing of their society. And so they, because of the positions they were in, they started to remove these elements that they were like, oh, no, that's not biblical, that's not pure, that's not holy. Um, if, if from any practice that even had a hint of Christianity attached to it, if it was fun, if it was, if it was joyful, um, all those things, they were like removing these. And you got to know there was all these um, ho- uh, special holy day feasts and things. Right. Now, the Anglican Church was the church at the time. That's that what was I was about to ask the about. Church of England the or Church Anglican of England Church. Right. Was very pro Christmas. Right. And so you have this, this um, conflict arising. Which the monarch, I, I guess at this time, would still be a monarch at this point. Trying to yes, keep track of the kings it was pre Victorian era, so yeah. this was pre Queen yeah. Victoria. So, so yeah. but so the monarch at the time, you know, wouldn't have as much power. But no. they, they're all they're Influence, very no, Anglican yeah. Church at that point. Yes, yes, and so you've got the church that was you know having feasts and all, following all these things that were, you know, you would say even though it was Anglican Church, they had some definitely Catholic. Um, Roman, you know, Catholic influence on holidays and feasts and the right. calendar and the yeah. liturgical calendar and all that. And so here you've got this uh, parliament, English parliament, ruled by majority Puritans, and so they are banning the celebration of Christmas. I mean, they are doing everything they can to keep Christmas from being celebrated. Now, they're depending on where you were, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you might have been able to get away with it, but it was like they called it a popish festival. And so they were like, no, um, which again was like a pushback against the, the Pope and Catholicism. So they were like, all right, instead of, um, all this merrymaking for Christmas, right. Instead of all this, you know, uh, getting together and feasting and, um, you know, singing and, you know, all this, they're like, we're going to replace Christmas. So let's say all of our listeners, does this sound fun? How how does this sound for you and the fam? Okay, uh, this coming uh, Christmas Day, instead of presents and instead of meals and all that, how about a day of fasting and maybe silence? <laughs> this is what they wanted to do. Who was on Parliament at the time? The, the Puritans, Grinch. yeah, right, yeah, the Grinch. So it was, was the their Puritans. hearts two sizes too small that <laughs> well, day. Maybe. So, but they they called this. This was a, um, a like I said, a popish festival is what they felt Christmas had become, and there was no biblical justification for it, which they thought was true, and that it was a um, that I mean, it was a time of it was wasteful and it was full of immoral behavior. This was the Puritans' you know, view on this. It sounds pretty crazy, but you know, at the time, the Pope was kind of like. Who knows? I don't know who the Pope was at that time, but all encompassing, reaching for power. Yeah. So yeah, who was the Pope around 1647? That would be interesting to see. So it kind of makes sense that the Puritans are like, nah, because they probably like they probably did put a the Catholic Church probably did put more emphasis on the Pope around then in that era. Well, yeah, and you like anything, um, you know, people can say, well, hey, yeah, I'm Catholic, but then you know, go and do anything they want to do, and it could give them a bad name, just like they could say I'm Methodist and do that, or Baptist or whatever. So, of course, there were... But you know there were... <laughs> who who was the Pope? I don't... I've never actually heard of this Okay, pope. can you pronounce his name? Yes, I can. Okay. 
Pope Innocent the 11th. <laughs> okay. So I don't know a lot about Pope Innocent the 11th. I don't know um, any. But I, that's... Like, he's not one of those is like <laughs> the... Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Who knows? Who I don't... knows? So, so here's the deal. So um, things like Christmas trees and all the decorations that went with them, all the baubles... As you would say. Bubbles. There's like a German word for it I read recently. It was like Weinachskugger or something. It was like. What's that? That's like a Christmas bobble. Like what we the would ball. call. Um, uh, yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. British, yeah. yeah, British people call those Christmas ornament balls bobbles. Bobbles and trinkets. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So but Christmas trees and the decorations and all that were considered. And I understand now why, in a much deeper way, they were considered to be unholy because they were pagan. They they came from pagan rituals. So which so the Puritans, what they're doing is they are banning this. This is the link that that they went to. They were banning traditional Christmas foods. So here's what was banned by the English Puritan Parliament around this in the mid 1600s. They banned. Mince pies, because that was a very popular Christmas-type deal. I'm pro-banning um, mince pies. Pudding. Who bans pudding? Come on. But British pudding is not... The, <laughs> is not. I mean, I don't know if I've ever had British pudding, but... It's yeah. usually like meat pudding. <laughs> oh, meat pudding. Are yeah. you confusing this with the Friends episode whenever... No, no this is not that <laughs> trifle. <laughs> pudding, good. Meat, good. <laughs> no, Brit- British pudding is not like... Uh, Jello pudding that yeah. you buy in a box. It's not like the the um, the the chocolate pudding with a nice firm um, like topping to it because it's sat out at the buffet. You're talking about like the pudding skin. <laughs> yeah, the, is that what it's called? Yeah, a pudding skin. Yeah. Which is what? <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I watched okay. too many cooking shows. Okay, well, so yeah, the pudding. So you're not talking about the chocolate pudding skin at the Mexican buffet um, or the Chinese food buffet where they always there's pudding. Hold on. Let, okay. Let, let me... Are you are you still doing some Pope Innocent the Eleventh well, work? Yes, or... but now I'm looking up pudding. <laughs> but also, the Parliament was going after this Pope like hard. Okay. So like they were trying to get um, Catholic officials out and stuff like yes. this. Like yeah. It was almost attack. It wasn't yeah. an attack on Christmas. It was attack on the Catholic Church and the Pope. But you do it through Christmas yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's where they're um, that, because they could bring it all the way down to that's not in the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> we don't. What in what book does it talk about the Christmas celebration? Oh, it's not there. So don't celebrate it. So they had they had um, banned traditional foods. And here's the deal: the laws that they passed. They required stores and businesses to be open on Christmas, which you think, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? But, I mean, it was to keep people from being and celebrating Christmas, being with one another, taking off all that. So there was this guy. He was a very prominent British um, Puritan. He was a Puritan. Um, He was a lawyer. His name is William Prine. And this is a quote from him. He said the celebration of Christmas was spent in, quote, amorous, mixed voluptuous, unchristian, pagan dancing. <laughs> I mean, it's like Footloose, but for Christmas in England. So, I don't know. It's like... 
We just needed Kevin Bacon to show up. Or, so, yeah. yeah. And Kenny Loggins to write a song yeah. about it. <laughs> so, he, okay. and then hang on, let me finish this quote, okay. and then you tell me what you got. So, he, why he asked, this is, again, quote, why could not the English nation observe Christmas without drinking, without roaring, without dicing and carding and masks and stage plays? So that was his his quote. So he was, yeah, what were you going to say? <sighs> but any other day, all that stuff was fine? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Okay. No, not for Puritans it wasn't. Well, no, but yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so British pudding. Mm. Can be sweet or savory. Okay. Can it, it be? It, sa- what's savory mean? Like, I thought savory just meant like delicious. Savory, so sweet is uh-huh. like your like dessert. Uh-huh. Savory is more like your meal. It's, okay. It's not, it's All not right. your... All right, let's not, hear about these savory puddings. Uh, a pudding, a Christmas pudding can also be savory, such as steak or kidney mm. or an un... I love a good kidney pudding. savory sweet roll containing meat. Mm, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. And it's usually uh, seasoned with Christmas spices. Excellent. So I would like a kidney pudding with some frankincense. Thank you. Yes. So base. <laughs> so think of like the oh s- the sweet pudding kind of being like a, a un like not cooked all the way um, mm. fruit cake. Oh, okay. Mm, delicious. Like think of a molten lava cake, <laughs> but fruit cake. Okay. That's yeah. your sweet bread pudding. Okay. And then your savory pudding is the, like mm. souse meat. Okay. I'll take a banana pudding that's got <laughs> like some of the like vanilla wafers that have kind of just gone their way to, you know, kind of morphed into the banana, the puddingness of it. I'm down with that. But so, anything else? I'm... So I'm okay with them banning the <laughs> British pudding. I knew you were a Puritan. I could tell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, um, so all this is going on. Authorities they pass laws. They attempt. So they were just doing everything they could to prohibit the celebration of Christmas. And even on Christmas Eve, in some towns in England, they would send they would send criers out. You know, criers who would you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah they would let people know what's up. Mm-hmm. And they were calling out, "No Christmas, no Christmas." <laughs> Can you imagine being that guy? How fun would that be? No, that would be miserable. <laughs> so. In in the like a terrible the, version of Paul Revere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the British Empire, of course, in Scotland, um, the Presbyterians had that's that was really kind of their home base, and they had secured also a ban on Christmas celebrations as far back as like 1580, 1583, and but they 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 had a hard time they found to um, to keep people because again this is you, no merrymaking. No merrymaking. That's what they should have cried out. Yeah. No merrymaking. No merrymaking. <laughs> so anyway, but they were like, yeah, but we're having a hard time keeping the kids from snowballing, from playing football, from singing carols, and I like how this other profane pastimes, <laughs> which I'm just assuming is like drinking. Singing baby, and, it's cold outside. Yeah, maybe. That's, that is profane. So <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Um, so now here we are in colonial America, right? And you've got the pilgrims. Well, guess who a lot of these pilgrims are? They're Puritans. Mm-hmm. Um, or they are of such a hyper-conservative religious uh, leaning mm-hmm. that, again, they're just very wary of anything that doesn't 
seem scriptural to them, you know. Right. And so you've got uh, in New England, there was this huge disapproval of Christmas as well, um, and they they discouraged any kind of festivities. They discouraged any kind of holiday celebrations. That's right, any of those things. Um, and then there were times when they were they were actually banned. So we'll we'll get into that. Um, the Puritans had that. Here was their reasoning. Here was a reasoning. One of the reasons, besides just the whole political deal with you know not liking the Pope, but since Christmas was, and I think most people would agree with that in 2021, was the occasion for some drinking, for some drunkenness. But I don't know about how your family is, but they would say riots could ensue. <laughs> I mean, we are from Douglas. Yeah. Well, and then um, they would. This was a, a quote from I don't know who. But they were like, listen, we don't want these poor wassailers coming to extort food and drink from the well-to-do. That was probably a well-to-do. Here we go, a wassailing. And what that was is uh, they were carolers. Oh. Wassailing was carolers, but the thing about wassailers was they went about singing to get paid. They were hoping you would pay them probably to stop singing. <laughs> I mean, I would probably go caroling if if I was yeah. getting paid. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But so there was this whole, and then, of course, all that singing led to carousals and revelry so i love these words so so many <laughs> no merrymaking i'm gonna start that's gonna become a new term we're just gonna use that so now you've got all these people who are english immigrants who have come to america and many of them are puritans and so they're just like very suspicious of the christmas celebrations going on and so this is when it comes into even some of our cities in the United States. In 1659, the observance of Christmas was outlawed in the city of Boston, Massachusetts. So in Boston, they passed a law. I always thought Boston was weird. <laughs> and they were fined um, five shillings for not working on Christmas. So if you were supposed to work and you didn't show up on Christmas, you were fined for not Showing up. So who's in charge? Scrooge McDuck. I, yes, I like how you're throwing in all the good um, evil. Next one will be. I, I mean, I did know. just Google to see when the Christmas Carol was written because, like, this sounds like perfect like yeah. inspiration. Yeah, yeah. This it is was, it. It was yeah. not. Yeah, it was like a, 200 years later. So I will say that the ban that the Puritans had in 1659 in Boston it, it was revoked in 1681. It was, but I mean that's. 22 years, Josh, of, of no, Christmas. Of no merrymaking. No merrymaking in Boston, <laughs> which they've made up for it since then, obviously. But so really, so even though whether it was legal or illegal or whatever, it wasn't until the mid-19th century until celebrating Christmas started to become fashionable again, if you will, it is, if you will, uh, in the Boston uh, area. So even before, so now let's kind of fast forward because Declaration of Independence, you know, we become a country, 1776, all that. Right. Christmas was not widely celebrated in the United States. It just, it wasn't. It was not a, a thing. And it wasn't, back in England, it wasn't until the, until the mid-1800s that Christmas started to have a resurgence. And a lot of that was due to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. So they come in. Are you going to say something about Prince Albert? No. Okay. So Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, they were of German background. So, and 
Christmas had been just kind of like totally going on in Germany this whole time. And they, it had, they popularized, um, Christmas and the Christmas tree and the Mm -hmm. Christmas tree tradition in England. That was not a deal because the tree was seen as pagan. I remember, um, when I, I, I did a, I went over to Romania a couple of different times um, right. doing missions. And the first time I went, I stayed for a couple of months. And I noticed that a lot of the Christians, um, well, because that's who I was around, but many of them didn't, they, they were like, no, nah, we don't do trees. We don't do trees. Because, you know, Romania and Germany are right there next to each other. Mm-hmm. And it had just carried on through the years that there were a lot of Christians who didn't do Christmas tree because of the pagan connection Back to it. So I was like, oh, I get that. So here is, but but Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, they were like, hey, we're German. So, you know, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, they were like, let's bring in the tree. And um, <clears throat> so before, in, in what you could probably say, like pre-Christian times, so before Christianity kind of had the influence that it had in society, a lot of people... In the German tradition, especially, they would decorate their homes. They wouldn't necessarily do trees, but they would do like evergreen branches, which is kind of where we get our wreath. Um, evergreen branches or a Yule log, not the not the chocolate cake Yule log that looks like a Yule log, but like an mm. actual. Log. And and the reason they did this was it was supposed to keep away ghosts and evil spirits. That's why you brought evergreens into your home mm. to keep away the evil spirits. So I don't know what your fake pre-lit um, tree is doing for y'all. Keeps away the sneezes. <laughs> there you go. So the origin of Christmas tree, so this is kind of a little side Christmas tree note here. Um, it goes back to the tree and the wreath goes back to this 12-day pagan holiday of, guess what it's called? Yule. That's where we get the term. And it's centered around the solstice. Um, and this was definitely in Germany, Scandinavia, other parts of like Northern Europe. This was um, recognized. And most people with, um, you know, the Yule log, they don't really care about its origin or associated with paganism. But the custom of burning a Yule log goes all the way back to medieval times. Mm-hmm. So it was an originally, it was an entire tree. And it was carefully chosen, like you, you know, kind of like the Griswold, you know, you go out and choose this thing. And then, mm-hmm. hey, dad, did you bring an axe? You know, um, so, but they go out, it was carefully chosen. They brought it into the house. So it was kind of like a great ceremony to do this. And they would take the largest end of the, the log of the tree and they would place it in the hearth of the, you know, the fireplace and they lit it with the remains of the previous year's log. And this was supposed to just, it, I don't know. I don't know. I know people look at the th- some of the things Christians do, and they're like, "Why do y'all do that?" Well, so, uh, well, my first thought was like, "What do they do with all that stuff?" I don't know. But then I go, "Well, we also keep the palms from Easter to do." Yeah, the palms for exactly. From, so, yeah, yeah. I get so, it. and this goes like to the the Celtic Druids. I mean, so this is kind of the Way whole the Druid when. thing. They would mark the winter solstice with they would cut mistletoe and they would light a yule log and they believed that it banished darkness and evil spirits. So all mm. this bringing in the green and the was to do this. So whereas nowadays you know a chocolate yule log is just you know a a popular dessert or pudding if you will. Have so, you eaten a yule like log? I've never eaten a yule log. No, mm. that I know of. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. 
So here's the deal. Um, so beyond the influence of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, there was this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Charles Dickens. Nope, never heard of him. <laughs> I loved I loved to read Dickens novels. Um, but the popularity of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which was published in 1843. Yep, because I just looked it up. It really had a huge influence for the holidays, for the resurgence of Christmas in England. Um, and so at the beginning of this Victorian period, so named for the Queen, the celebration had been kind of, of Christmas was in decline. Um, now, I want to talk about Dickens, but I do want to point this out. The problem with, I think, the Puritans, the, the problem they had, and, and other Christians, even if they weren't Puritanical, was that there was a mixture of the reasons for the celebration during this time, of this winter time. Because you have, of course, the birth of Christ, which they were trying to celebrate. But that had been, remember, placed upon, like calendar-wise, the Roman festival of Saturnalia, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got this Germanic festival of Yule. And so there was a mixture of why were people even celebrating this? And so you could see how the Puritans were like, we don't want to have anything to do with this. Right. So you kind of understand it. But so, and, and all of this came under just intense scrutiny by them. Um, especially Oliver Cromwell was kind of the the leader, the speaker for the, the Puritans right. in, the, in that parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, so now here you go with Charles Dickens and the Industrial Revolution had come along and had really started to change just everything, which we could just, we could do a whole several episodes on the Industrial Revolution and even how like Christianity was a part of that and how it was affected and how it influenced and all that. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that. That would be um, fun. Yeah. So in Dickens' time, um, workers during the Industrial Revolution, I mean, there were no laws about, there were there were no like, um, you know, rules about how many hours. Everything was unregulated. I mean, you had to just work. If you if you wanted to have a job, you worked when the boss told you to work. And hopefully you had worked, a nice boss. Yeah, right. Children worked. People. I mean, it was just you know, there was there was no regulation whatsoever. And so workers had hardly any time for just regular celebration. I mean, they worked six to seven days a week and mm-hmm. all this. So in this new uh, urban population of Britain, um, there's not much opportunity for Christmas to really be. And so there's these, you know, you've got the unfestive combination of long hours, unregulation, unregulated just work, displacement. So people were coming from rural areas where maybe they had Christmas traditions and they had celebrated things, slower pace, but now they've moved to the city because that's where they can make money. Mm-hmm. And there's this expectation, but then nothing's happening. I mean, it's just right. a really, just a dark time, kind of a depressing time. Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, we talk about no merrymaking, you know, I think a lot of times the ideas that we have about Christmas that makes it merry is that it, it, it a lot of it comes from Dickens himself. Like he used that term, like the term Merry Christmas is from um, him. Is from him, as far as we know. Well, I mean, and if he's the first if one he's to publish the, it, if he's not the, yeah, he's the first one to publish it, and that's what definitely popularized it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he's the one that came up with it, but that's definitely where it was. And when you think about the story of a Christmas Carol, I mean, it in many ways like it has all these aspects of uh, repentance and redemption 
and caring for others and helping the poor, mm-hmm. helping the infirmed. I mean, all these these Christian um, qualities that are in that story that I, I think brought something to it. You know, yeah, made it sure. powerful. Um, so there's there's absolutely no doubt. Which <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, the whole, and I remember reading this, I don't have it in my notes, but so I might be a little bit off, but Dickens was actually working on a different, um, book, a novel, and he just wasn't getting anywhere with it. And he was running out of money. And so he wrote a Christmas Carol in a week, maybe a very short amount of time. And it was published like in like, you know, papers, like it wasn't necessarily a book, but then they'd put it like in a pamphlet type form Oh, cool! to get it out there because he needed money. Mm. And so, and it just like people ate it up. They loved it. And I think it's because it spoke to that, like it was kind of where they were, this kind of dark industrial revolution. Everyone's just got to work, 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 work. And they couldn't, you know, it was like, here's this opportunity to see the, the light of Christmas. Mm. So that was a really interesting side note on him. Um, so, you know, this whole, I, the Christmas Carol definitely had an influence along with Queen Victoria um, to kind of bring in the spirit of Christmas. And even think about the vocabulary. You've already hit on it already. Um, that's used in in his writing that's crept into today's terminology, like Scrooge. Yep. You know, I mean, that is just, um, I mean, 176 years later, that's one of those things. It's like, mm-hmm. you know. And there's like a new version of A Christmas Carol like every year. Yeah, yeah. Someone's always doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, that The Christmas Carol, it delivered I, just like just the right message at just the right time to bring people kind of focus back on on what it's about and and talked about just the joyful christmas and it's not about money and it's not all about those things it's it's about family and all that and it's about jesus mhm yeah. yeah which he didn't get into at all um so he didn't create an uh, christmas but he definitely influenced kind of the the spirit of christmas that we all might know today um so christmas um in the States, it did not become, it wasn't illegal necessarily, but it didn't become a legal holiday until 1856 in New England. And even then some schools, if it was a week, you know, a weekday, uh, if it wasn't Sunday, some schools still had classes on the 25th. Could you imagine sending Mallory to school on (laughs) December 25th? I think she'd be like, I can't go today. Um, and it wasn't until 1870 that Christmas became a national holiday in the United States, much to the chagrin of the Puritans that were here, I'm sure. Um, Had they died out by that point? Uh, no, they were still around, but but they didn't have the influence that, that, Maybe that many was people the did. Yeah. So um, a little, you may throw in a little Methodist history here as it. we wrap this up. Yeah, let's do it. Um, most likely because of because of all this history of um, Christmas and and was it pagan or was it holy and was it biblical or was it not? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he never wrote a Christmas sermon. So you you know he's got his all his sermons are published. Like you do not find a Christmas sermon. Um, so he began 
this movement in England and it happened, that movement really was going for like those 200 years that Christmas was being suppressed. And so as a result, there's just, there's no evidence they celebrated Christmas other than uh, maybe a worship service, but that worship service was just, it. you know, it, it would be more about prayer, mm. fasting and all those things. However, John's brother, Charles... He wrote a couple songs. He wrote a lot of hymns, and he wrote a lot of Christmas songs for the season, if you will, um, from the very beginning of his publishing hymns. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. He wrote about the Christmas season. Um, we know at least 21 different hymns and poems that are focused on Christmas. Um, and in 1739, he published the widely known Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which... Um, which actually got kind of a little bit reworded because uh, it used he wrote it originally as hark how all the welkin rings uh, glory to the king of kings and then another methodist preacher uh, came along and changed that opening line to hark the herald angels sing but it was still the welkin rings and glory all that was it was called a hymn for christmas day so it was still a christmas What's a, what's a welkin I don't know check it out I know we've looked at it before um but in uh in 1745, Charles published 18 hymns on the nativity, and um, and he wrote he just he wrote a lot of hymns about it. Some speculate there is this famous conference that occurred in 1784, and it was the founding of the Methodist Church, and it was founded on Christmas Eve in 1784, and pretty much everyone it, the reason that they met on Christmas Eve to found it was because they were all available. <laughs> it's like they weren't <laughs> home. So there was no services, there was no candle lighting, there was no caroling, no decorating the church. That was not a thing. And so that's just referred to as the founding of the Methodist Church is referred to as the Christmas Conference because that's when they got together because nothing else was going on. So what's a welkin, Josh? I, I can't find it. You don't fat, know what fat, it is? Fast like, enough. Yeah, it's like one of those things of like um, we just don't know how to... Yeah, so the wel- a welkin is a it's a literary term for a sky or heaven. So you would talk about the the skies uh, or heavens were ringing. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the vault of the sky, the firmament. So there you go. That's a welkin. So if you didn't listen to anything else, you learned that today. So the heavens, <laughs> the upper air. All right. Well, so yeah, so Christmas was illegal. Christmas was frowned upon. No merrymaking. There, no merrymaking. No merrymaking, but we hope, Porch Community, that you will... Make merry? Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do the carousing and the wassailing unless you want to. Don't I mean, come to my house if Don't you carouse want to. and don't do not do drunkenness. Um, but if you want to carol, sure. What about that um, voluptuous dancing? Um, I'm, I don't... You know what? I'm not going to judge... <laughs> But I think maybe you should just keep that at home. And um, let's, you know, that's not really something you want to do at like Applebee's. At like, you know. I mean, they got that (laughs) Club Apple on Thursday nights in Valdosta. Keep your voluptuous dancing at home this Christmas season for the sake of us all. All right. The sake of the children. For the children. (laughs) God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Let's just end it there. (laughs) There you go. Hey, we love you guys. We hope to see you Christmas Eve. Um, Reminder, on December 26th, Sunday, we are going to be online only. 
We have pre-recorded a wonderful service for you guys, and we're going to be chilling because that's what we're going to do. Yep. We're going to rest and hang out. So, love you, Porch Community. Merry, Merry Christmas. See you soon. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.